matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we? Come play with us, Danny. Bad luck to kill a seabird. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and this week, my guest is the one and only Gary Mutley, bass player for one of my favorite hardcore bands, Billy Club Sandwich, as well as co-host of the Upgrade podcast. Now, before we get into this week's interview, I just want to let you guys know that next week, I'll be a guest over on the Upgrade podcast, so make sure you check that out if you want to hear me talk about WandaVision, how I got into the music that I'm into, and much more. And also, go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and here's the interview. Oh, you got a Funko Pop collection. Dude, that ain't even shit. I got a fuckload of uh, like superhero ones that I'm actually trying to get rid of at this point now. I've kind of got out of it a little bit now. I just want to stick to the horror stuff. I, I I know what you're talking about because I have a wall that's filled with them. Yeah. I, I'll show you a picture later if you want. But And then I have a stack of them sitting on my dining room table right now. That's the stuff I decided to get rid of. Yeah. And then like I pre-ordered a bunch of stuff. So I was like, oh, I only got room for a couple more. And then all of a sudden the pre-order started coming in and I'm like, oh, shit. I'm out of room again. Like that's, all these Marvel zombies ones all came in and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of what got me out of it was uh, uh, me and the wife are huge fans of the office and uh, oh, forget it. Yeah. So she'll grab some with me and stuff. But we ended up pre-ordering the first like when the office first dropped their big set, we had gotten like the few exclusives that they came out with. But when they dropped yeah. their first wave, we had uh, pre-ordered it and we pre-ordered it through this company that I guess they ended up having some real personal issues where it was a couple and the guy like oh. got, got in an accident and like the girl like dipped on him after he got in an accident and was like oh, he was man. in bad health so but he just took everybody's money and ran so like oh that sucks yeah so we kind of uh like i feel bad for him but at the same time it's like you could at least send an email reply yeah, telling people what happened something. but he kind of just like dipped on everybody so uh at that point that was kind of like a letdown and then like with covid and shit you know i definitely wasn't going out hunting because my wife was pregnant like at the beginning of you yeah, know yeah, COVID yeah. throughout so i was like yeah it's not worth it. So I just pick up like a horror one on Amazon every now and then and hope it's not beat to shit because Amazon's <laughs> not good with them. But oh, oh, I know. Well, listen, I I pre-ordered those uh, those Marvel zombie ones from Hot Topic, and I'm amazed mm. they showed up okay because the way they packed them, they just you know they're inside cardboard boxes, but they like just throw it into like a a little mailer. Yeah. Like not even a box, and like a couple of them showed up two days ago, and I'm like, oh my god, I hope these things aren't beat to shit. Yeah. And luckily they weren't, but I was sitting there thinking like, you know, this thing could probably be in pieces. Luckily in all these years, I've only gotten, I think two that have been damaged. One of them was a Beetlejuice one that I got for my girlfriend. And she, that one, like part of it broke off in the packaging. And then uh, I got a different one. It was a Marvel one. I forget which one it was that was like broken somehow. Yeah. So I've, been, I've been lucky with that considering I have like, 80 of them or something yeah and i got quite a few that have a little bit of damage there was one that i got that was actually i wish i could remember which one it was because but it was one of the ones like long ago it was a uh, 
I ordered through Amazon and I was lucky enough to get a chase. And of course it was beat to shit from the back. Oh. Like, but, uh, and it was one of those chases that ended up not being worth much. You know, I think it's like, you know, now it's probably only worth like, you know, double what you pay for it in the store. So like 20 bucks, 25. You know what I got lucky with, with the chases, you, you grab those Funko soda cans at all. No, but I have uh, seen them like as they announce all the waves and stuff. Yeah, I, I never thought much of them. And then I bought one because I saw actually it was a Muttley one. Oh, yeah. And I grabbed that and it turned out to be the chase, the very first one I ever bought. Yeah. And then like last weekend, I grabbed a couple more. I got a Joker one and I actually got my girlfriend a Leatherface one. Oh, yeah. And those were both chase. And I was like, I'm having good luck with this. Yeah. No, that's... uh. I think the last, like, I think the best chase I've ever found in store was uh, the Invisible Man chase that they had at Walgreens. I'd found that in store, the one where oh, he's wow. actually invisible, because, you know, like, they had the Walgreens exclusive where he had, like, the yeah. rap and shit, but. Yeah, Walgreens up, has a lot of that exclusive stuff, which is crazy. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of hard to uh, find around here, because a lot of people, I like, I live in a small town in North Carolina, but I shoot up to Virginia and, like, look a lot, but in uh -huh. Virginia, there's a lot of collectors and resellers and stuff. Oh, wow. And then. No kidding. The like Walgreens we have here, it's like, like I said, it's kind of in uh, like a Bodunk town, so they don't really worry about fucking Funko Pops and shit like that. So, yeah, that's that's wild, but yeah, uh, it, I always thought it was crazy that Walgreens of all places does a lot of exclusive stuff, but yeah, I don't chase them like I, you know, once upon a time I might chase a few of them now, it's just like eBay or Amazon, or I don't bother. Yeah, now there's a few uh, horror ones that I'm still like looking to get, but honestly, a lot of the ones that I want are like not that uh you know, high dollar and they kind of go like, like I want the, you know, for instance, like I still wouldn't mind getting uh, shit, a gizmo with a car from gremlins and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 But like he's dropping in price. So I'm like, I could just wait it out and get it even cheaper probably. So like stuff like that, yeah. you know, nothing I'm looking for is going up. So I can just kind of sit back and just grab it whenever. So. Yeah. And, and I don't get them to resell them, but it just ends up happening that like, yeah. like I bought a Mandalorian around Comic-Con time and now it's worth like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And I got, I actually got my girlfriend a Loch Ness Monster one, and it turns out that thing's worth like a lot of money too. I'm like, okay, like I might just sell them just because number one, I need the space, but also if I can get that kind of money, it's like I'm not, I'm not that tied to it. You know yeah. what I mean? No, when like I start some selling, stuff, like I'll, I'll keep it. Like that stuff, it's like, yeah, I can, I could part with it. Yeah. Now, as soon as I start selling, I go with what is uh, going to make me the most money for sure. You know, because yeah. there's no reason to try to sell some of those lower level ones because people don't. Like people online don't want to buy those low level ones from other sellers. They, they'll just buy that shit from the store. Cause they could just right. Right. So. Yeah. I, I used to be like that where I would buy a lot of stuff specifically to flip it, but yeah. I'm, I'm long out of that because it, it, there's so many people doing the same thing now. It's like, whatever I got, I got better things to do. And, and unless you get lucky, there's not that much money to be made off of it. Yeah. So I, I I'd rather just occupy myself with something else. Yeah, I'm right there, which I always bought them for myself. The only time I ended up selling them was like waves that I would start collecting and then it'd be like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to keep going with this. And then like try to get like. That's that's what happened to me with like uh, with Baby Yoda. Like I started buying yeah. the Baby Yodas and then they just coming out, kept coming out with more and more and more. And I'm like, fuck, I can't keep up. I'm worried about that with the Marvel zombie ones now because they keep putting out more. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that was uh, me with. uh rick and morty i was like they got more fucking funko pops and they got episodes of the shows i'm like i'm not about to keep supporting like it kind of pissed me off that they were like not putting out seasons for years but yeah they were like let's give you more merch to buy it's like, oh yeah i was i was thinking of that because i was in the store recently uh, uh uh i was in newberry comics up by my mother 
yeah. uh, you know, uh, upstate New York, like a, about 45 minutes away. And, uh, and they had all the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror ones. Yeah. And it's like they keep coming out with them. And I'm like, good thing I didn't try to grab all of those because then I'd be shot. Like, yeah. can't keep up. But at least Simpsons has earned their Funkos because, you know, they got seasons after seasons. Oh, They're sure. pumping out. It's like Rick and Morty's got two or three seasons and they are making like they've announced the fourth season and what it hasn't happened in three years or whatever. It's been almost two or yeah. three years since they yeah. put out a new episode. So, but like bottom line is like, how many times am I going to chase these damn things? Around? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every month there was a new wave of like 10 coming out, but. Oh yeah. With Funko, they're just putting out everything, everything. Yeah, they put out the boys and they put out the Marvel zombie stuff and they put out WandaVision. They're pumping out tons of them now. And it's like if you if you really want to start grabbing them, then you're locked into like, oh, I'm going to have to own all of them. Yeah. And once they start, they kind of like bombard you like uh, one of my favorite. Well, not one of my favorite, but my favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future. Yeah. And uh, like, for instance, they kind of had only like maybe 10 total with all the exclusives and like oh, yeah. the solo ones. And then out of nowhere, it's like, here's a wave of like seven. And then. Within a month, it was like, oh, yeah, here's 20 more because of the 35th anniversary. It's like, yeah. yeah and, then, and then suddenly you have no space left in your house and you're like, yeah, what am I doing? That's how it, that's how it is. Oh, yeah. We can move uh, into the podcast stuff, which I'll, you know, definitely I'm not going to edit that out because people can probably relate to that. A lot of the people collect for sure. I'm sure. Oh, so yeah, listen. man. I mean, I, I like I said, I used to be big into it and I used to get a lot of stuff. If we, I used to do that with wrestling figures a lot. Yeah. Like many years ago, like 20 years ago at this point, like wrestling figures were a lot hotter. And like one of the first Kurt Angle figures, I had a friend that worked with me that knew a guy at Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. So I was working in Manhattan and he knew what day the trucks would come in and what day they would put stuff out. So so we would take a weekly trip and go up there. And like I remember I got the first Kurt Angle figure and flipped it for probably like 60, 70 bucks. Oh, yeah. And we used to do that a lot. And then I eventually kind of got out of it. I, you know, over the years, I used to collect so much stuff and I sold a lot of it, like after I moved and stuff. But like, I still have so much yeah, that it's it's insane. Like you get, you know, I could tell just by the collection, what little collection I see. Yeah. You know. Now I'll shoot you some pictures of uh, my superhero stuff and just know that like, when I've moved, I moved three times last year, and on my third move, I left like so many Funkos in boxes. So like when I send you pictures later, that's still not like even. That's not even all of it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the comment on the wrestling figures. What's funny is like 20 years ago, I was uh, nine years old, but I was like super into the wrestling figures. But my dad was like, he would sell stuff, so like he would go with me. Oh man. To, he'd be like, I'm gonna buy you a wrestling figure, but I'm gonna look for those exclude. Like he would know which ones to buy and flip, so he would yep. always like have one for himself that was like the high dollar one and i would just get you know like if I, whoever like oh i want the scotty too hottie this week or you know whoever was <laughs> or, uh you know when they were putting out the ecw figures and shit yeah like yeah that, yeah so. oh the ecw figures are crazy because uh, well now it's like that too because uh because the aew figures they put out now those aren't easy to find yeah and like i thought about it i was like do i want to get them and i was just like no i'm not even going to touch it because then i'm then i'm going to have to have all of them and then I'm going to be chasing them around and suddenly I'm going to be buying them for 40, 50 bucks off eBay. And, and I just, once I go down that rabbit hole, yeah. like I said, you know, <laughs> you know, I know, I, you know, yeah. you know, I used to be like that with star Wars stuff. Cause I'm a huge star Wars fan. And like, at some point I was just like, got to slow down. 
I, I sold like my brother and I had a crazy collection from like when the prequels came out. Yeah. And at one point, uh, you know, when I was getting divorced, I was like, I just got to get rid of this shit. Like, I'm not going to pay to store this stuff and just sold all of it in like one big lot for like $800 or something. Oh yeah. I don't blame you. Shit. Yeah. I, uh, I think the last wave I even completed was the killer clowns up there from outer space or whatever, but yeah, those are cool. Yeah. I, th- I, I think uh, I only have one of those. I got it for my girlfriend. Oh yeah. No, I skipped a bunch of like horror ones after that. Like they put out American Psycho, Us. Uh, oh Jeepers. yeah. I think I got Jeepers Creepers, but that's just because it was like a solo person, you know, figure or whatever. But but we can uh, jump into some of the podcast stuff. You know, we don't have to linger on the music stuff uh, long. So pretty much just want to ask, you know, because I'm sure you talk about that stuff all the time, you know, like how you started with the band and all that. But I just want to ask, do you have anything coming up that you could talk about? Because this is actually probably the quickest turnaround episode I'll ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with COVID, we're not doing much. Yeah, um, I think- we've been we've been working on writing, which has really been tough, just because we're spread out so much. You know, I'm in the Bronx. Glenn, the drummer, is in Harlem, and uh, Martin's in Jersey, and Malone is in Connecticut. He's but he's way up, like two hours plus. Yeah. So it's hard, really, for us to even get to practice, and we've been getting into the rhythm of like doing things more like sending videos and, and audio stuff. I've got a little rig here with my computer that I can record stuff right into my computer and garage band and, and add some basic drums to it and stuff like that. So, so we've been kind of working on some demo stuff that way. And then Glenn and I will get together just the two of us and work on stuff. We, we've got a few songs now. We may try to put out an EP. I don't know if we'll do it hopefully by the end of this year. I don't want to say the summer because chances of that with the way things are, it's like, yeah. Cause, cause the other problem too, is that a couple of us have jobs where we work with the public. So all it takes is one thing. Like we've canceled a few practices just because like one of us will be working and then suddenly somebody got it at work. So everybody's got to go get tested and all, all this nonsense. So, yeah. so all of a sudden we can't practice because we can't put everybody else at risk. So yeah. That's happened a few times and it's a pain in the ass, but it, it is what it is because of the way things are right now. You know, that just is, is another layer to it. We're hoping to have something out before the end of the year, maybe five songs, six songs. Oh, Hopefully, yeah. you know, I would say we had one song that was completely finished that we started playing live a while ago before quarantine. And then we have right now, I would say probably three more songs that are near complete. Yeah. Maybe a few music things that need to be tweaked. One or two, maybe just vocals. And then we have a bunch of other parts that we need to put together. Hell yeah. That's so, awesome. So we're, we're, we're part of the way there. Like I said, it's so much different now because when we wrote the earlier stuff, we were getting together a couple of times a week and writing and we were all in the same room and it was much easier to do now that we're so far spread out it it's a lot tougher and using the technology is just something that we're not used to so we're all adjusting to it yeah and did uh would you say that covid contributed do you guys like decided to do another album because i know it's been a while or like you know having that free time or you know even though you can't get together for it you know y'all all have a little bit probably more free time than uh you know, to yourselves and stuff. I could kind of go either way on it because honestly, COVID has also kind of held us up in yeah. a way. It's made things tougher with travel and stuff like that. Cause like I said, we're talking about 
Yeah. You know, Malone's got to come in two plus hours drive. And at one point they were really weird about like interstate travel and things like that. And so I, I don't know if that really, our intention was always to make new music. Okay. I think it, if anything, COVID kind of delayed the process. Okay. Um, we're not people with the way we work within the band. We're not like guys, like one of us will bring in a whole song. We've yeah. always been, we all get together and we write together because sometimes one of us will have a riff and then the other one will be like, well, why don't you try playing that this way? And then that's how a lot of our ideas come together. So, Hell yeah. you know, some bands, you'll have one guy just bring in a complete song yeah. or we're not one of those bands. And if we were, it would probably be easier because then with the extra time, each of us could bang out a couple of songs and and we'd have the whole record, but we're not that way individually or as a group. Yeah. So, so it makes things a little more complicated. No, I know exactly what you mean. There is uh, I've had a few bands on like that where they've, you know, told, uh, like for instance, I had uh, Jeremy from Cruel Hand on pretty early and he said mm -hmm. that, you know, one of uh, their guys pretty much writes most of the stuff and then sends it out and they kind of like, they'll riff back and forth a little bit, but it's like mostly, you know, instrumentally written by him. And, uh, you know, they've finished up some stuff once they hit the studio, of course. But then I've also had bands like, um, I just had somebody on recently. Oh, I had, well, I had Mike from Agnostic Front and he said the same thing. Right. You know, like they got together, you know, like they have to be in the room together to get the energy and stuff like that. So it's just, it's definitely different for, uh, different strokes for different folks. I just didn't know if maybe the decision came out of like the boredom of COVID, you know, like, you know, y'all were sitting around and like, we can't play shows. Let's do some new fucking music or something like, you know. I mean, we, we've been trying to write for a long time. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's just like I said with the distance stuff, it's tough, and then yeah, it's hard too because you get into that mode of you got shows coming and you got to concentrate on on practicing for the show instead yeah. of writing new music because with the limited time that we have because of travel and stuff, that's why I said it was easier back in the day when we had, you know, we used to share, uh, we used to rent a practice room monthly. Yeah, we used to share a room with irate. Hell yeah. And we would go there a couple of times a week and we're hanging out, sitting around, talking about stuff, sitting around playing, but, you know, not like full band playing, like just sitting there, sitting on the couch, messing around with a guitar and like, oh, hey, let's try this. Yeah. And and that was much better for the creative. But now we're limited. It's like, OK, we've only got three hours or so because this guy's got to drive back to Connecticut. This guy's got to drive back to Jersey. Yeah you know, this guy's got to go pick up his kids, you know, because we're older. So it's like, you're trying to squeeze these things in too. It's not like you got a whole night and you can just go and chill all night. So all of that stuff all contributes to, to, to the, I guess the delay, if you want to say it just, things move a lot slower because that's where we're at. Yeah. And I we try, we always wanted to write and, and record new music. That's our plan. Cause originally when we started, you know, we took our break mm. We started playing again and we were like, okay, we were just concentrating on the one show. It ended up going well. And we were like, okay, let's do a few more. And now here we are a couple of years later and we've played a whole bunch of shows, played a bunch of places that we hadn't had a chance to play before. And now the next obvious step is to try and, and put out some new music. Yeah. So that's always been something we want to do. It's just not as easy and COVID only made it tougher, but it's, it's not easy just because of the way we're spread out. 
No, I know exactly what you mean. You're all working, uh, you're all working full-time jobs with full-time families. And then, like you said, you had to travel to that. So it's like, like, I'm sure the process started before COVID even had a, a had the effect oh, yeah. of the delay. So it's like, yeah. it's just adding COVID on top of that. And like, you know, now that we're on the back half, COVID doesn't sound as like effective, which also like depends on where you're at. Cause I know when you're in a busier city, like, you know, Jersey and New York and Connecticut, like those places are, uh, you know, locked down harder than a lot of other places. So, oh yeah, it's uh, definitely making it, you know, extra hard for you guys up there. So, you no, know, so I can definitely understand where like the family stuff was already setting it back a little bit. And then as you start to finally get like things together, it's like, oh, we got a, a couple songs complete. It's like, boom, here's COVID to be like, here's another roadblock. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened because we had one song, like I said, that we started playing. Yeah, uh, I think we played it for the first time when we went up to we played in Syracuse and then we played in Toronto. And I think that weekend was the first time we played this new song. And normally with a lot of bands, you get that and then you get just keep rolling from there. But because of the time limits and stuff, and that was before COVID just the time limits it's like you're never able to capitalize on on that momentum yeah because here it is like it's going to be another month before we practice you know and uh, because we haven't practiced now you know we're in march and i think we've maybe had one full band practice this year maybe two i don't even think two i think only one and we've had a few scheduled that ended up not happening because like i said with the quarantine stuff and exposure that's what happens yeah, and then when you have like such big gaps in between practices, you spend half the practices, you know, and then you have limited hours at practice, then you spend half the practices like trying to remember and tighten up the stuff that you've been working on because it's exactly. like shit, it's been, a, you know, a month and a half, two months since we played together. So let's all try to refresh that shit. Exactly. You spend all that time just getting warm again. Yeah. And getting into the vibe when it was much easier when you were getting together a couple of times a week and, and, it's a totally different dynamic now. So, and especially if anything with COVID, the one easier thing is that when we do to get together, it's not like we're preparing for a show. Yeah, sure. So we're just trying to get warm and then work on some of the newer stuff. Hell yeah. No, and I definitely uh, look forward to the new album by the end of the year, you know, and uh, hopefully COVID doesn't push it back any further than that, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's different now too, because every, everything's digital. So yeah. I'm one of those guys I still like having something physical because I've got, you know, my apartment, I got racks. Like I've got like 2000 CDs still up on racks. Like, Hell yeah. like why do you, why do you keep your CDs? Like I like having, you know, I like having the physical product. I'm not, you know, I've got a hard drive full of music, but I love the presentation. I mean, it's not common knowledge, but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out here that uh, superheroes at leisure the first e- the the first full Billy Club EP besides the seven inch stuff. Yeah. Uh, this year is twenty years since that was originally released. Hell yeah. And the label that put it out is actually planning to put it out again on vinyl. Oh fuck yeah, that's awesome. Which I think is going to happen this summer. Hell yeah. Because June was the original release, and with the way apparently vinyl plants are getting slammed right now. Yeah that like the turnaround times are ridiculous. So it's not going to be exactly on the anniversary. I believe he's aiming to do it for like late summer. Yeah. So I think some people are aware of that already. And he's supposed to make the announcement any day now. So I guess it's kind of an exclusive on here, but yeah, superheroes is going to come out on vinyl. uh, Hopefully 
late summer. Hell yeah. No, I'll definitely be scooping that. That's one reason I kind of stopped with the Funkos is because I've been buying vinyls and Blu-rays and shit. And I'm like, I better spend money on stuff that I can at least, <laughs> you know, if I ever want to put on a Blu-ray or like throw on a vinyl, yeah. at least I can enjoy that, you know, just somewhat. I just, you know, I can stare at these Funko Pops, but yeah, they're a cool backdrop. But, but other than that, but again, like I said, physical product, like to me, yeah. nothing beats it. Like, you know, your hard drive can crash and you lose all that stuff or like streaming service suddenly stops and yeah you can't watch it but but if you've got that physical product nothing beats it especially with the vinyl because i love the the artwork i love the whole presentation and and nothing beats it yeah well it's like all these people that spent uh like a decade paying itunes for individual tracks and songs just for them to go to apple music and say oh well all that money you spent means nothing yeah. now you got to pay me 10 bucks a month like yeah and and of course the artist sees maybe like two tenths of a cent from any of that stuff so yeah. it's like it, it does it, you know as an artist there's a whole other that's that's a whole other avenue to go down that, yeah. that i've talked about before but but just as a fan you know you, you listen to stuff on apple music but you there's no you're lucky if you get to see the album cover like you don't get the liner notes you don't get that whole experience and and as me getting into my old dude thing we used to discover other bands by looking through the thank you lists and all kinds of stuff like that. Like Hell yeah. a lot of, a lot of younger kids now, they don't, that's foreign to them, but yeah. to us, that's, that's how we discovered new music. There wasn't a YouTube. There wasn't, there wasn't a Spotify. Like you, you had to dig the stuff out the hard way. And that was one of those tools that we used to use all the time. Yeah. You buy the new album, you put it on, you get, you go home, you put it in the CD player, you know, you have a, like an actual CD player, not like just a yeah. PlayStation or something. You play the record and then you walk around the living room actually reading the booklet while you yeah. uh, listen to the record. No, I used to do that stuff too. I still do it, you know, occasionally, but you know, with the baby and stuff, you know, it's limited. Uh, yeah. You gotta, I'll, you gotta baby proof the place just a little different. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, and then but uh, I know about that. Cause uh, talking about being a toy collector and having kids, it's like, no, yeah. those are mine yeah luckily they've I mean, got they've got their own toys i got my toys <laughs> i'm i'm uh definitely not excited for that stage because he's only six months now but as soon as it, he, he's about to hit the real uh rough one where he's just grabbing everything as he's walking around so i'm gonna have to try my best to keep these funkos oh yeah uh, well uh, listen i i was a toy collector and then my kid's mother was also a toy collector so when we got together it was double yeah and then all of a sudden the kids like we had to we had to do some work to protect the collections <laughs> once the kid, especially once the kids were starting to walk. It's like, uh Oh, Oh yeah. Can't mm-hmm. have them. Can't have them messing with my figures. Yeah. And I thought about putting plexiglass in front of myself, <laughs> like on the shelving and stuff. And I was like, then I won't be able to like adjust it. But yeah, uh, we used to, we used to just elevate everything. Yeah. That's what my wife keeps saying. She's like, you got to just go up a couple shelves. We gotta yeah, go up some shelves, put up some hooks and, and just go that way. Yeah. It's the only way. But hopefully I can gut most of this uh, uh, Funko collection so I could just keep, you know, these ones like put away in the room or whatever and just. Yeah. Because most of the ones that are like, I got so many of them that I'm literally, I'm trying to get rid of all of them. But the horror <laughs> ones, it's just uh, uh, living in a small town doesn't help that either because there's no like places that just take them and dump them off. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. Now my, now my kids are teenagers and they got their own collection and they don't bother my, they don't bother with my stuff. Oh, yeah. No, no. Just one quick comment back on the whole like Apple Music thing, just to say, which I know, like you said, you've already talked about it before, but it sucks that it also takes away like album sales, you know, to where like bands before that would be like a mark on an album sale. And now it's just like a streaming 
you know, it's cool to look at the streaming numbers, but it's, you know, album sales used to be like where it was at. And it's like, they've changed that by doing shit like that pretty much. I, I spent many years working in the music business, working for labels and, and working in record stores and stuff like that. Yeah. The business has changed so much that it's completely unrecognizable to co- compared to what I was doing when I worked there in the nineties into the two thousands. It's, yeah. it's a totally different universe now because a lot of what I did also was on the physical product side of things. I used to work in manufacturing, making CDs and vinyl and stuff like that. I used to work in inventory and now there's no inventory. It's all digital. So, yeah. it, so it's a whole different world now and they control all the numbers because it used to be like they've changed the certifications over the years. They used, you know, the gold and platinum and stuff like that. And they factored in the digital stuff, but it used to be, you actually had to move like 500,000 units or something to get certified. And like those numbers are nowhere near what they used to be. Yeah. Now you got bands like Metallica and Blink-182 giving out CDs with their tickets. So that way they can get the album well, that, sale. Yeah. <laughs> that, that too, that's part yeah. of it. And then you got a lot of people that just go on the streaming services and, and just get one song and then they have some whole formula for how that factors in. So it's all, it's all so weird, but the end result is that those companies, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whoever, they control a lot of that stuff and they control the numbers. Yeah. So it it really changes everything and it's hard to really gauge whether you're even, you know, like who knows how to gauge what's successful anymore, you know? Yeah. It's almost more about the Spotify plays and like the YouTube views and all that stuff. Yeah, I saw somebody that was like uh like an up and coming artist and they were like, I appreciate the uh they're like I'm they're like my Spotify numbers kind of sucked this year because it was like when the end of the year shit was happening and they were like mm-hmm. um and they're like compared to my bandcamp numbers are awesome and they were like they're like, which is cool because that means you're paying for my, my music. They're like, but now I have nothing to show off on social media. <laughs> like pretty much just like joking about like how the way music has become these days. It's like, oh, I don't have anything to show on social media because y'all didn't support me freely. Yeah. Y'all actually paid for my shit. And it's like. It's yeah, it's me. so weird because now it's like you don't even know what people look for anymore, you know? Yeah. Because it, it started to transition. There was that point years ago, like, like people like Amy Winehouse blew up off of MySpace. But now there's so many different avenues like YouTube views or, or Twitter followers or Instagram followers. Like, how do you even gauge? And like, none of that stuff has anything to do with your actual music anyway. Yeah. So it's like, but, but the flip side of it is that it's easy to get your music out there. It's just hard to get eyes on your music. Yeah. So it, it, the whole business, like I said, is to- so totally changed. And I'm fine not being in it anymore because everything that I used to do has practically been phased out. Yeah. And that happened years ago because that's, that's part of why I left. It was just like I could see the writing on the wall and just went in a different direction. And uh, I'm happy with it as an artist. But as an artist, honestly, the way, the way I look at it and the way a lot of people I know look at it, it there's not really money to be made. If you're lucky, you'll get a little something. Uh, for us, we've been lucky to be able to travel and do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there's a payoff in that because it's basically, if you work it out right, it's a free vacation, which is cool. <laughs> but it's it's not like I'm making bank. Yeah. No, like, just... like when I got 
divorced at one point, like my music career came up and it's like, yeah, you really want to see what my royalty checks look like? Like it's $5 check here. Yeah. You know, like $5 for like a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not making money. Sorry. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to say too, is when I, when you said the whole thing about like, you don't really make money unless you're like, you don't make money off the music anymore. It's like, you have to tour constantly and sell merch and all that shit. And it's like, most of these bands, it's like you can kind of see that because all these bands that have been torn constantly for all these years and they're like a little bit younger, you know, they don't have the full-time jobs that they're, you know, they're not used to working the full-time jobs and then going out and doing tours and stuff like around it. Yeah. They're now like finding jobs. Like, uh, you know, like a lot of the younger bands, you're seeing them like on social media, like, hey, I'm working at Home Depot right now until we go back on the road and fucking whenever we go back on the road. And it's like, you know, not knocking their hustle. You got to work and make money. But I'm just saying it's like, it just goes to show that that's where the money is because it only took like six or seven months for some of the, you know, like the headlining bands, at least in like, you know, metalcore and hardcore and stuff like that to have to find, you know, full-time jobs to, until they can get back on the road and make that money. Oh again. yeah. So, Oh yeah. And that, and that's bad for, I mean, we talk about it on my podcast cause we get into a lot of the political and financial side of things, but because yeah. we have the music background, like I have friends that go out on tour doing lights and doing sound and doing tech stuff. And, and so many of those people along with performers that I know, so many of those people got hit by COVID so hard. Yeah. And it's still really up in the air as far as the lasting effects of COVID, because some of those people were on tour for years, had to get themselves a different job because they, they got to feed their family somehow. In a lot of cases, whether it's themselves or if they've got families. And now once touring comes back, some of them may may be like, you know what? I got my secure job. Like, I can't go on tour anymore. Yeah. And that's just that's just how it is. And that's one of those things that's going to have a real lasting effect because, yeah, it's it's cool that they were able to go tour for years doing guitar tech stuff. But, you know, once you got to get a real job you know a regular day job they might get one and not want to go back yeah especially if you get one with like a retirement or like a 401k fund exactly you like you're gonna see the op like even if you're not making as much money you're gonna be like you know don't go back on the road and risk you know coming out at the other end you know of years back on the road and nothing you know to you know kind of fall back on or do i take this job that i make a little less you know i don't really have the adventures and stories anymore but shit i get fucking you know when i retire i actually can retire you know what i mean like i don't yeah, have to exactly be a door greeter at walmart until i die pretty much like yeah i mean being a guitar tech doesn't have a retirement plan you know yeah so and, and it sucks but that's one of those things like i said we we've had long discussions about it on my podcast just talking about the lasting effects in all different avenues and all different careers and things like that but because we're musicians we talk about it in in that perspective because there's so many guys out there that were out on tour all the time yeah and all of a sudden now there's no touring there's no shows anywhere in the world yeah like now now they're starting to advertise stuff but you know we're, we're a year into this thing and for a whole year people had to go do other stuff and that goes not even just for touring people like i i know people that do lighting on broadway shows yeah and Broadway's been closed for a year now. So what do those people do? You can you know? get unemployment for so long before that starts to be like, all right, you got to get a job and shit like that. Yeah, because the, the techs that I know that go on tour, like some of them have managed to get gigs like 
what, what a lot of these bands doing the live stream stuff. Yeah. Those guys will do a week of rehearsals first no. and, and doing the, you know, working out the lighting, working out everything else. And then they'll do the actual show. So like I have friends that at least will get some of that work. Like, okay, yeah. I got a week's worth of work. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. for this live stream, but you know, even then that's only so much. Yeah. So and, uh, I don't, I don't, once we come out on the other side, and then there's the whole finances of it. Like, wh- how can you make money on a, a 30% capacity, you know? Yeah. So th- there's all kinds of other financials to it. But like I said, that's that's a whole long, wild rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, no doubt, uh, for sure. But I know exactly what you mean. I'm working at a movie theater. We're at 30% capacity right now. And I see it like, hand, uh, you know, hands-on or whatever, pretty much. But uh, you mentioned your podcast. Do you mind... Uh, Real quick, before we jump into the horror movies, you know, for the people that are listening that haven't checked it out yet, can you tell me real quick, you know, just tell them what the basis of it is and then also uh, what the inspiration was behind you and uh, Lynn getting together and starting it? Sure. It's called The Upgrade Podcast, and we're available on pretty much all the podcasting apps that you can think of, Apple, Spotify, Pandora. Hell yeah. We had this idea for a couple of years. We wanted to do a podcast because... Len and I have been friends for over 20 years. We met through music. Uh, He was playing in bands over the years and, and we knew each other from there and from online, from the old days of the East coast, hardcore website message board (laughs) (laughs) back in the day. And, and we talked on there and then we became friends and ended up playing together. Like I would, book his band on some shows with billy club and things like that yeah and we've been friends for a long time we're very in sync with a lot of things as far as music and also with politics and we wanted to do a podcast we talked about it for a long time and then finally covid was the thing that kind of kicked our asses in gear yeah because we had the time so he owns a recording studio, so he's got microphones. He's got audio set up. That was easy for him. Me, I got a microphone, got a new computer. Yeah. Started setting things up, and then we decided to just go with it. It's called The Upgrade because it's actually – it comes from the movie Idiocracy. Oh, hell yeah. Which uh, we originally were throwing around names, and then we were like, well, what about Upgrade, which was the pimp in Idiocracy? Yeah. It was played by Scarface from the Ghetto Boys. And he spelled it all weird. And I said, well, we can't spell it like that because then people will search for it and they'll never find it. Yeah. So we'll spell it the right way. And that was where the name came from. And the basic idea behind the podcast is it, it starts with music because we're both musicians and we have a lot of musicians' friends. And we've, all been, we've both been playing in bands for 20, 30 years at this point. Yeah. But... We also have a lot of thoughts in other directions about the way this country is and politics and things like that. But then we're not really limited. A lot of our guests come from music, but then we have guests in other directions and we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about what we're into. Yeah. We talk about UFC. We talk about pro wrestling. We talk, we talked about horror. Oh yeah. Like horror movies and stuff like that. We ended up, well, Phil Vibes, who you had on, who who was a good close friend of mine. Yeah, we had him on, and I figured we would talk about the horror conventions because when he goes to the horror conventions, he actually goes a lot of the time with my brother. Yeah, hell yeah, my brother's a big horror guy. I'm I'm not 
to the level that they are. I'm also not an autograph guy. So yeah. I, the convention thing doesn't appeal to me as much, although I'll probably end up going because they've always asked me. And with when Phil was on, we were going to talk about music and I knew I was going to ask him about the horror. It ended up going for so long that we ended up splitting into two episodes because we had two hours plus just about horror movies. Yeah. And we hadn't even touched on music yet. So we ended up splitting it into two. And then after we were done, we were still on talking on Skype. And then all of a sudden we're like, yo, keep recording because then we were talking about movies again. And yeah. we went for like another hour. Hell yeah. And we were like, well, we'll just tack this on at the end because that's what we do. We don't, we don't really have a set format. Yeah. We've had episodes that are very political. Our first episode was actually the day that all that nonsense went down in D.C. where they cleared the streets and then Donald Trump did the thing with the Bible in front of the church. Oh, yeah. So from the very beginning, we were spitting fire because we were so angry about that. Yeah. And we have a lot of episodes where we get really deep into politics, especially around election time. We got real heavy with it. Yeah. But other times... We'll, we'll talk to somebody and we'll just talk about music and we won't even touch on current events or we'll talk about UFC. We've done whole episodes just about UFC cards. So we're all over the place because to us, we're just, you know, we just do what we like and it's based on what we're into. Yeah. And the other part of it is that we have different guests on that one of us or both of us are friends with. And even when we do that, we learn something new about somebody. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because there were things I learned. I Listen, I've been friends with Phil since the 90s. I, I've been very close with him. And even then, in that long conversation we had, there were plenty of new things that I learned about him. Yeah. And there's plenty of other things. And that's part of why we call it the upgrade also, because it, it, you upgrade your mind just learning different things from different people, different types of people. Yeah. Some of them might be musicians. Some of them might be personal trainers. We had somebody on who was a therapist, and we talked a lot about mental health stuff, especially related to COVID yeah. and quarantine. So our goal is to learn something ourselves and hopefully learn, you know, help other people learn things. We had Malone from Billy Club on. We did a, a two-part episode with him talking about the history of Billy Club, but also his addiction problems, which is what led to us taking a long hiatus. Yeah. And we figured that's something that's important for people because somebody out there might be dealing with addiction or somebody out there might be dealing with a friend or a family member who is dealing with addiction. And, and we got pretty heavy. We, we got pretty deep and we talked because he and I had a lot of issues in that time when he was hiding what was going on with him. Hmm. and how it affected the band and and it, it the band didn't explode the band just stopped because we realized that he had a real problem and he needed to deal with it but yeah. how many bands do you know that get to that point and then just completely explode but our goal and our goal with the upgrade in general is to share different experiences that different people have we share our experiences we have guests on that share their experiences and in the end I've always said that knowledge is the key to a lot of things, mm. learning different people's lifestyles. I think a lot of what happens in this country is just because people aren't exposed to other types of people. Yeah. A lot. Uh, look, the perfect example that I was actually talking about on a recent episode, 
American History X, the movie. You had a guy who was white power, hated black people. Then once he started to interact with them, it changed his view. Yeah. And that knowledge, that interaction, that, that experience, I think, is the key to the, making changes in this world. Yeah. Because it's so easy to hate people when, you know, people hate what they don't understand. And that was a real goal with the podcast. We want to get people's experiences out there, expose people to other ways of thinking, other lifestyles, other experiences, fun experiences, tough experiences, everything. Yeah. Because that's, that's the way you upgrade your mind and that's the way you end up living a different type of life. Yeah. So, so that's really our goal with the upgrade. And we've been doing it since June. So we're getting closer to a year mark now, which is awesome. Hell yeah. And, Congrats. and I love it. Like I said, we always talk once upon a time, many years ago, I used to do college radio. Yeah. Hell yeah. So drawing a little bit from that and listening, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts now working from home. I watch a lot more Netflix instead, but yeah. when I used to have to take a long train ride back and forth to work every day, there I am listening to podcasts. There I am listening to Jim Cornette yeah. or listening to Chris Jericho or, or listening to music podcasts, things like that. So, so it's something I was always into. And now we found a way to do it. We've, we've got a good setup where we're on all these platforms and we just enjoy talking to different people and, and exposing people to, to new things, really. Oh, yeah. No, and uh, real quick, just a comment. One thing that's, uh, I'll say it's awesome that you and Malone had that conversation on the podcast and stuff. And one thing that makes it, you know, better that you guys are friends and, you know, have all this history is, you know, a lot of people talk to, you know, like they might interview somebody who's, you know, recovered from, you know, addiction and stuff uh, like that. But it's like they don't have that personal connection of like, you know, for instance, somebody can relate to him for having the addiction, but then also somebody can listen and relate to you for the forgiveness. Like if they're struggling to forgive somebody or, you know, to like, uh, set, you know, like to separate who they were then from who they are now, you know, listening to that, you know, they got to hear not only, you know, about his story, but they got to hear like, you know, the side of a, a friend close to him at the same time. So it's like, you get to hear different perspectives yeah. of the same story, you know, and when you do it that way. So that's well, uh, really that, awesome. So. Yeah, that was really important because when we, we were at the tail end of right before we took a break, mm. he and I were not getting along at all. And yeah. it was because of all that stuff going on. And I, I recognized because I have been friends with him for so long that because the other thing with Billy Club is I've been in the band 20 years now. Yeah. But I've been friends with Malone. I didn't meet until the second Billy Club show, which I went to. I wasn't at their first show because I think I was working or something. So 96. But Martin and Glenn, I've been friends with probably from 92. Yeah. So we're all friends and we've been friends for a long time. Oh, yeah. So when Malone got bad, I recognized it and I was trying to talk to him and trying to help him. And a lot of people, when they're in that, if they're in that zone with addiction, they don't want help. And that was where he and I ended up butting heads real bad. And it was partly the friend side of things, but also you're in a band and, and not that we're at some crazy high level, but when you're in a band that's doing more than just playing in a basement, yeah. there's a business element involved to it, especially with what we were doing because we were traveling and, and doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So 
I was doing a lot of the business side of things too. I was booking shows and I had young kids. So I would put my kids to bed and then I'm on my computer until like 2 a.m. Yeah. And then I'm up to get to work at 9 a.m., work till five, come home, deal with the kids, then do band business, repeat. So he and I really butted heads a lot and it was really tough and it affected the whole band because then suddenly other dudes are fighting because of the stress of this situation. So suddenly everybody's on edge. So that was a big focus on what we talked about because the root of the problem, and it's funny because when we first started talking as a group, the other guys, because I'm overall, I'm a pretty easygoing guy, but I'm known to hold a grudge sometimes. Yeah. So the other guys were like, yeah, uh, I don't know how Muttley's going to do with this. And I'm just like, we'll see. Yeah. So we, we had talks and we had a lot of talks and it was a lot of, let's see how things go. Because to me, talk is nothing. You, you have to prove with your actions, what type of person you are. Yeah. So he has done that because we are better friends now than we ever were. Hell yeah. Which is good. And I think it's also important to note that he's not, you know, he's not just staying on that path for the band or friendships or whatever. He's staying on that path for himself. Yeah. Which is the most important thing because it it all starts with you. So I'm happy that we were able to talk about that. And I'm happy that we were able to get, because I've had people reach out to me and tell me how powerful those episodes were. And I'm happy that we were able to do that and to help people. And like you said, it's important, you know, a lot of people focus on the addict and what they have to go through, but not to be on some like it takes a village type stuff, but those things have an effect on everybody around you. Yeah. And especially when you're in a close situation, like in a band, but it's all, it could also be family. It could yeah. also be a close group of friends, which Billy Club is also. Yeah. And that, was, that was certainly partner. a factor. Yeah. So it's important to note that that he has to do that for himself. And then from there, that's when everything else clears up. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like it's like when you drop food coloring into water and you see it spread. You that first drop comes from making the change for yourself and then everything else will work itself out. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that, that he is doing that. And I'm glad that we were able to highlight that and, and make a point of that and, and discuss the journey that we had as a group, but also the two of us as friends and bandmates and explore the after effects of stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. I'm, it, it's probably, I feel the episode that we've done that I'm most proud of. Oh, yeah. I definitely just, recommend just because it's it's not it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not an easy yeah. thing to get into. So it has a lot of people don't like talking about that stuff. But yeah. it was important for us to do it. And and a lot of people reached out, like I said, and said that it was very powerful. Yeah. And and if it makes if it makes a difference even with one person, then I'm happy with that. Oh yeah. No doubt. Now that's why I was uh saying thank you for sharing and stuff like that because i'm sure for instance like you said it might you know if it's just one person that's awesome but i'm i'm sure more than you know just one person can relate to the story and stuff like yeah. that especially but uh not uh, not to 
change the subject, but I guess we can hop into the horror movies, man, if uh, oh, sure. you're ready for that. But uh, I appreciate you sharing a little bit too, you know, because you kind of, you know, talked about the story a little bit as well, you know, but, uh, if, you know, I, I, of course, recommend everybody going and checking out your full episode and hearing the entire story and actually hearing you guys talk about it and stuff like that. So do you remember which episode number that was? Or what uh, it was titled? I would have to look it up. I was gonna say uh, you- I'll, I'll dig it up while we're talking and, and we'll probably tack it on at the end. That works. It's, it's there. It's there somewhere. There's we're we've only got forty something, so it won't be that hard to find yet. It was episodes thirty three and thirty five. Okay, hell yeah! So definitely go check it out because we, uh, we snuck we snuck us screaming about politics in, in an episode in between, <laughs> which we <laughs> often do. But yeah, yeah episodes thirty three and thirty five called Reignition Part One and Two, both with Malone and like I mentioned, and I'm sure we'll tack this on at the end. The Upgrade Podcast, it's on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. But uh, so we can jump into the horror movies, man. If you don't mind, yeah. just tell me what your relationship was with them growing up and, you know, uh, what it is now, if it's changed at all. It's, it's funny. We, we had talked about it on The Upgrade, and, mm. and you and I had a few conversations about it uh, on Facebook. And I was thinking about it because when I was a kid, I was really terrified of horror movies. I didn't touch them. Yeah. Like, it, you know, my, my family would go to see a horror movie and I'm sitting there with my eyes covered. Like I couldn't, I couldn't mess with them at all. And then something changed and I couldn't figure out what changed. And then I thought about it and I finally realized what it was that changed. And it's an interesting thing. And I wonder if anybody else can relate to this. It changed because I started reading books on my own not just school books because everybody's got to read Shakespeare and all this stuff for school yeah and I hated half of that stuff but but when I was end of grade school just going into high school I started to read and I started to read Stephen King books oh yeah and I think the first two that I read I forget in which order were Misery and The Stand and that was the turning point for me because I I I couldn't place it at first. And then once I really put some thought into it, I realized that that was the turning point because I read those books and I enjoyed those books. And it was after that, that I started getting into horror movies. Yeah. I wasn't scared of them anymore. And then I jumped full on into it. Cause like I said, my brother's a horror fan also. So the two of us just jumped into it, going to see all kinds of horror movies. Yeah. And I remember so many like, from the eighties that I was really deep into and saw so many times, like I saw all the Friday, the 13th movies, all the Halloween movies. Hell yeah. Sleepaway camp was one of my favorites, which, which I think you and I talked about a little bit at yeah. one point and then Hellraiser. Hell yeah. A lot, a lot of different night of the demons. There, yeah. there, there's so many, like off the top of my head, I couldn't even run off a list because there were so many that I was exposed to in different ways. And then you go back and you watch the classics like The Exorcist. But then there was also the the intersection because I liked a lot of stuff that wasn't traditional horror movies, but you could classify as a horror movie. Because being a sci-fi guy also, as you can tell by my Death Star behind me, stuff like Alien. Yeah. that's That's not a traditional horror movie but it's certainly a horror movie. And, and it's funny because I, I watched it again recently and then was reading some stuff about it. And they originally pitched it as Jaws in space. Yeah. Which is really funny because Jaws was another one. When, when I was a kid, my dad took me to see Jaws and it ruined me. Yeah. Cause to this day, I won't go anywhere near the ocean. 
I, I just won't. It's, it's just how it is. What's funny is uh, I can see the Jaws in space thing now, but I've always seen Alien as kind of like a slasher in space because when you like think about it, the way she kind of like, or uh, not, she, well, I guess we don't know what the xenomorph is. I guess it was a he in the first one, but because uh, uh, I think the queen was uh, not until like one of the later movies or whatever, but uh, the xenomorph as it shows up, it kind of like shows up slowly throughout the film. Like a lot of times right. like Michael Myers would or like Jason Voorhees would and uh or even like Leatherface would. And then at the end, as it starts killing them all off, it does it like one by one. And then at the end, we have the big Ripley final girl run through where she's going yeah. through all the dead body. It's like, it's very tropey to the slasher films. But uh, oh yeah. But now that you say that it's like Jaws in space, I can definitely see that for sure. Like, uh, Well, in a way, Jaws was like that too, because you just had the fin. Yeah. And then when you had, when you had him pop up for the first time, and you're just like, whoa, it's the yeah. same kind of thing. And it's just so funny because it, that, that time frame there, which is funny because it coincides also with Star Wars. Like that late yeah. 70s, that was, that was a real game changer for movies because you had stuff like Alien. You had stuff like Halloween. You know, you had Texas Chainsaw years before and you had Night of the Living Dead even before that. Yeah. But, but the whole slasher thing, because... Technically, Friday the 13th, the first one kind of qualifies, but in a way it also doesn't. Yeah. Because the second one was Jason. That was when Jason really started. A lot of people don't realize that. So, so it's, it's interesting when you look at it that way because that was the start of stuff like that. And a lot of stuff kind of followed that formula. And it was like, well, how do we change it so it's not obvious? And, and a lot of it, and you see it with Alien and you see it with a, a lot of the, the more slasher movies also is camera angles and stuff like that hiding. So you get that big reveal. Yeah. Because with Alien, you got that big reveal. I watched it because my girlfriend, who, who was really into horror, she had never seen Alien. And I was like, you got to see this. You got to yeah. watch this movie. And she was blown away because it, it, and we were talking about the Jaws thing. It's like Jaws in space, like. It really is because it's just building that suspense. And then when you get that reveal, you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is uh, after you mention it, now that I think about it, you can actually compare Friday the 13th part one more to Alien and Jaws than, uh, you know, like you said, the different formula that came in part two, because in part one, you know, it is the mom killing, but it's like you don't see it. And then at the end, there's the big reveal of it being her. Like there is like Alien and Jaws. Exactly. Which which is... Which is a very different reveal from what you get at the end of Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, just uh, all <laughs> oh, hanging fruit. <laughs> they said that. Did you hear? Uh, they said that that kid cried, the one that was naked under the mask, because they said that they found some random kid. What it is is it's like a prosthetic of uh, you know Felissa Rose's face. Yeah, some, some kid was just wearing it naked. They mm-hmm. said that they found some random kid on the uh, like at the it was supermarket or something and like talked him into it and like paid him to do it. Oh my God. uh, That he was like real drunk and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, I'll do it, but I got to be drunk or whatever, you know, to get naked or whatever. And then he, he, as he got drunk, he just started crying. And they said that he's like in the scene, like he's literally crying. You just can't see it. You know what What I mean? I do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. That's fun. I never heard that story. That's really hysterical. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, I I think uh, she told it on Joe Bob or whatever. The the prosthetic of the face is kind of obvious (laughs) the way, the way that ends, but but that was one of those movies that, like, I saw it as a kid, and I was just like, whoa, this is wild. Yeah. Especially that ending. Like, 
And then years later, the crying game comes out and everybody's talking about that. It's like, man, I've seen that already. <laughs> yeah, Come it's on. like uh, you don't expect the first time you see full frontal male nudity to be at the end of a fucking uh, uh, slasher movie about <laughs> kids, like little <laughs> kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that that's a crazy movie on so many levels. Yeah. But no. I, I loved I loved so much of that stuff. Like I said, Night of the Demons. Yeah. which I watched again recently and, and still like, and Halloween. There, there's, there's so many movies from that era. And then you get into the trauma stuff. Hell yeah. The trauma stuff was wild. I was really into a lot of that stuff, you know, toxic Avenger. Yeah. And, and other stuff that was trauma ish. Cause killer clowns, I don't think was killer clowns was not trauma. Right. Yeah. It was the Kyoto brothers. Yeah. But it was kind of in that vein and, so, like I said, it's you. You got your traditional horror stuff, which I was into, and and like I said, I got into it in the early '80s, and then went backwards. Yeah, went and watched The Exorcist, and went and watched Texas Chainsaw, and Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, and then watched you know Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Love that stuff too. There, there's there's so much of it, and, and it's it's enjoyable. But then also, like I said, the non traditional stuff because even. Even if you go down the line later, uh, a movie like Seven yeah. is not a traditional horror movie, but it definitely has those elements, and, and, and you could kind of classify it in some ways almost like a horror even though you don't see any actual violence in that movie, yeah, which is a wild thing to think about. You see the victims pretty much. like in the Right, end. right. So, so you kind of get the gore and stuff like that, but you don't get any of the actual violence. You don't get the kills like... I mean, my my personal favorite kill will always be the sleeping bag against the tree. Hell yeah, which which I love because I I don't know if you're a video game guy, but yeah, uh, when they made the Friday the Thirteenth video game, the the more recent one, yeah, they they put that into it, and I was like, yes. My kids are like, why are you so excited? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> the sleeping fun. bag is my favorite. If I'm going to die in this game, I want it to be that way, okay? <laughs> well, the great thing is that you can play that game either way. So, like, yeah. I'm playing as Jason, and I get to slam somebody in his sleeping bag against the tree, and I'm like, yes! See, I'm terrible. I was terrible as Jason. I, always, I had my thing set to, like, let me always be a counselor because I fucking sucked as Jason. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying I was any good at the game because I, <laughs> I really wasn't, but uh, I got my enjoyment where I could. Yeah, no, it's definitely fun. That's uh, but to kind of speak on two of the movies that we mentioned, you know, Night of the Demons and um, shit was the uh, Sleepaway Camp. One of my yeah. favorite things about those is like that dialogue that we don't get in movies these days. You know, like in Sleepaway Camp, the cousin Ricky the whole time is like, "Fuck you, you fucking douchebags," and shit like that. And like, you don't see like you get it every now and then, but you know, not to the extent where he was like he, they were just letting him go. You know, and like the uh was it fuck off and die and he's like fuck off and live or whatever he says and then uh but then uh and like night of the demons you know like linnea quigley like you know just the way she's like at the very oh, first yeah. uh part where they're at the little gas station and the guys are like talking shit to her and like just like all of her like little lines and stuff like that is stuff you would never hear it like even her lines in like return of the living dead and stuff like that yeah you just never hear shit like that nowadays and if you do it's uh like very updated and very like sounds like yeah, something that's like a hashtag or like a Twitter handle. Yeah, or something it's not. Like it's not at all like it used to be. But that yeah. goes with a lot of things that I I've had a million discussions about this. That so much stuff that you did back then, yeah, you could never get away with now. Yeah, not it doesn't matter. General. A lot a lot of horror movie stuff you couldn't get away with. 
a lot of stuff, a lot of comedy stuff you couldn't get away with. Yeah. A lot of TV stuff. I mean, Archie Bunker jokes? Come on. None of that stuff is going to fly now. Yeah. People getting canceled left and right. But, no, I, yeah, it, it, I agree. There's, there's a lot of that stuff, and especially because so much of that stuff in, in the early horror movies, like, look, Sleepaway Camp was a classic of, like, oh, the counselors are having sex, so yeah. they're going to die. And, like, now that's slut-shaming. Back then, it was just horror movies. Yeah. You know? It was like, we're just kids dying, and it's because they're committing sins, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. fucking sinners. You, you commit sin, you die. That's how it works. And now, oh, you're shaming me. Yeah, that's like uh, taking Dumbo and Pinocchio off of fucking Disney Plus and shit. Like oh, God. Don't, don't get me I mean, I understand that things are a little different nowadays, but I think we're too, we're too quick with all the cancel culture stuff. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm Especially right trying to get people fired because the thing that people don't understand is like, okay, you're trying to get people fired. And like, I'm not making excuses for these people because some of these people just do really dumb, dumb shit. Yeah. But eventually, if you make it easy for people to get fired for stuff like that, then eventually you're going to say something that they don't like. And then it's going to be easy to fire you. Yeah. Sometimes the like if you get in front of the general audience, then they'll try to, you know, then you'll get those people that try to get rid of you and stuff like that. But if you stay in front of your niche audience, you can literally do whatever the fuck you want to do. And people oh, sure. aren't going to care because like, look at all these like B horror movies and like, uh, you know, like independent horror films that do ballsy things like that you know where they do whatever oh, yeah. they want and it's like it's because the people that would try to cancel them are never going to pick up you know a movie that you can only see on blu-ray or you can only pick up if you actually like pay for shutter or you know stuff like that so yeah well that and and standards change both ways yeah because how much stuff do you see on tv now like on the walking dead or something that they could never show 20 years ago yeah or even the language like you're talking about same thing yeah, but like if you think about it, uh, like those are still like FX and AMC. So like if you go to like NBC, like I know that uh, Walking Dead ended up getting this huge audience and stuff like right. that. And of course, you know, and it stayed gory. I'll give it, you know, that's one thing I'll uh, I'll give it the, you know, the credit for is it stayed gory throughout. You know, it never dumbed itself down even once it gained the audience. Yeah. But it did stay on FX, you know, it never moved to NBC or CBS. It never mm -hmm. was prime time television in the way of like, you know, it still never came on before 10 o'clock on Sundays and it's still never. Right. So it was like, even though it, it got added that stuff, it never like, and everybody knew about it. They still never saw it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, unless they wanted to see that gore and stuff like that. So yeah. that's why they weren't calling for it to be canceled and stuff. So it's like the people that, I mean, and I'm sure there's people that probably, I mean, fucking, I've seen people uh, protest Lamb of God. So I'm sure there's people that protested oh, like walking dead. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure there's people that have protested it, but the fact that it didn't get called for cancellation because of being like too gory on television, I think comes from them keeping it in that late night cycle and keeping it on, you know, FX and, you know, keeping it away from too much of primetime television or else right. like, probably would have the fate. But, it gotten. but stuff like that has always happened over the years. Cause I remember when NYPD blue was showing naked butts yeah. and people freaking out, but that's what I mean. Like over the years, the standards have kind of changed a bit. Like they curse a lot on AEW. Yeah. They they wouldn't be able to do back in the day yeah. on TNT. But but that's how it is. You know, things things change over everything is fluid. Nothing is gonna follow those same rigid rules. Yeah. Over you know, over time. No. You know, people couples used to sleep in separate beds on TV. <laughs> you yeah. know? 
so it's just how it is how do how do we get from horror movies to back to cancel culture <laughs> it's like the first episode of wandavision when they're like sleeping in separate bed. Have, did you watch oh, yeah. Wandavision? yeah oh i loved it loved yeah that it. was excellent but it, uh, was, it was weird and yeah. it took a little getting used to but i loved it yeah i'm right there with you but uh but we can uh go back to the horror movies for a little bit i know we've already been talking for a bit so we can kind of uh i just got a few more questions for you uh about the horror stuff yeah we uh I don't think I ever asked you. Do you, do you, you mentioned quite a few that you know are favorites, but do you have one that you, uh, you know, would say is a go-to like all-time favorite of yours? Probably the Hellraiser series, just because. Yeah. And I have to go back and watch them because I haven't watched them in a while. But the Hellraiser series was a good one. I was always, I, you know, I mentioned that reading was what got me going. Yeah. Clive Barker. I started reading Stephen King, and then I got into Clive Barker. And I read a lot of Clive Barker. I met him once. He was really nice, which is funny because I've heard other people say that he was not so nice when they met him. Yeah. But when I met him, he was totally cool. Books of Blood, Weave World, Imagica, Great and Secret Show, a a lot of that stuff. I read a ton of Stephen King and a ton of Clive Barker when, when I started reading on my own. Yeah. Like I said, as opposed to school reading. Because who loves school reading? Nobody does. Yeah. So Clive Barker was my thing. And then, of course, you know, being a teenager listening to metal. Oh, wait, it's got Satan? Yes. So the Hellraiser stuff would probably be my top pick. Yeah. Uh, Although although they did go off the rails at different points. And, And it's funny because as much as I love horror and I love science fiction, Mm hmm the kiss of death is always when you mix the two yeah because that hellraiser with the spaceship was horrible jason x let's not even talk about although although i will say jason x was funny in its own way yeah but it's so bad it's so bad it's funny that's one that because i was actually young when it came out i have a uh-huh. really nostalgic for feel for it because that's <laughs> about the time when i was like let me go rent what new horror movies out and jason x actually was like coming out oh on vhs so i have like a real nostalgia for it but it's one i can admit is pretty damn terrible it's oh just, it's terrible yeah it's just and, very and fun to watch like it's a fun watch you know what that's I mean? like that's mixing sci-fi into a fran- a horror franchise is usually where they jump the shark yeah. whether it's hellraiser whether it's uh, Friday the 13th or Leprechaun. Yeah. Leprechaun <laughs> like, in space. <laughs> yeah. Once you, once you go into space, it's over. Oh, yeah. But I, overall, the Hellraiser movies I really love. Those, those I, if I had to pick something, that would probably be my favorite. Yeah. There, there were a lot of others over the years that I really enjoyed. The original Texas Chainsaw is a classic. Hell, yeah. And like I said, a lot of the trauma stuff, killer, uh, the trauma type stuff, because I, I keep thinking of killer clowns, which is not trauma. Yeah. But like the Toxic Avenger series and Maniac Cop. Hell yeah. Night of the Demons, like I mentioned. I mean, there's so many, but I would not put Jason Takes Manhattan in there because he's only in Manhattan for like all of what, 10 minutes at the end of the movie? Yeah. He's on the <laughs> boat for about an hour and 15. Yeah. <laughs> I, was so, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, Jason takes me. He's coming to New York. Awesome. <laughs> and then it's just like the last 10 minutes. I'm like, come on. Really? <laughs> no, I feel you. That's one of the ones that definitely let me down as a kid because I remember watching it and being like, uh, did I miss something here? Yeah, exactly. Are they on the way back from Manhattan? Or 
No, I, I, would, uh, I would also mention Dawn of the Dead. Hell yeah. Because that was a great one. Yeah. Uh, I, the remakes, I didn't hate. A lot of people are hot and cold on, on the Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. But yeah, I mean, nothing's going to compare to the originals, but yeah. it, it was enjoyable. And, yeah. and like I said, the other stuff like Alien, that there was not necessarily a horror movie in the traditional sense. And I think Halloween had, you know, there, there were some good ones and some okay ones. Yeah. And I didn't hate the Rob Zombie remakes, but no, I, I know a lot fun. of people do. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. The, uh, both with the Rob Zombie Halloween and Dawn of the Dead remake. It's one of those that it's like when you're remaking something so like massive of a horror movie or so beloved, it's like for what they did with them, I think they did a pretty good job with both of them. I actually really like the Dawn of the Dead remake. But again, that's another one that uh, came out when I was young and it was like, holy shit, these zombies are fucking nuts and fast paced. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I hadn't seen like... Uh, I think it came out around the same time as 28 Days Later, but I hadn't seen 28 Days Later first. So I saw Dawn of the Dead remake first. Right. It was like my first, you know, like fast zombie movie. And I was like, this is fucking insane. So no, I really uh, enjoy the remake, but I definitely not, doesn't hold a candle to the original for sure. Same with Halloween. It's like, I really enjoy the remake and what he added to the story, but uh, compared to the original, it's definitely, you know, just is what it is. Yeah. I, Rob Zombie is kind of a controversial thing because I know a lot of people are hot and cold. Yeah. Uh, about him one of the things that i think with him is that he's so into the genre yeah that i think sometimes you you can't it's hard to remove yourself and get a fresh perspective on it so a lot of the stuff that he did was kind of derivative of other stuff yeah not just with halloween but just in general because like you know obviously he borrowed a lot from texas chainsaw yeah with house of thousand corpses yeah exactly and yeah. and it's not it's not bad but it's not breaking new ground necessarily. You know yeah. what I mean? But then I, I, I'm not generally a fan of remakes. I think it's very rare that you get a remake that I enjoy. Yeah. No. So, you know, I, the fact that I didn't hate it, I guess this is good. <laughs> but I, it didn't. It's, it's hard to remake these things and do something new. With, yeah. No, I enjoy you know? remakes. Uh, I tend to enjoy more than I remember enjoying. But... Uh, a lot of times I still find them unnecessary. You know what I mean? Like, but lately there's been, a, I feel like lately the run on remakes has been like shitty as hell, except for, I like the Suspiria remake and I liked uh, Evil Dead's remake, but everything else recently has been like Pet Evil, Cemetery was uh, shitty. I didn't see Pet Cemetery. Evil Dead was cool. I did not see Suspiria either, but yeah. I, I avoided Suspiria just because to me, like no matter what you do, the original Suspiria was so so different in its own way that it's just like why why are you redoing this like just just let it sit yeah now one thing i like about that remake is he kind of doesn't uh unlike a lot of the other remakes he doesn't try to like recreate too much of the story you know like even with halloween where he like um you know he adds a lot he still tries to like do a lot of the same beats you know like the couple Mm -hmm. uh uh, the ghost outfit where he kills a couple having sex and puts on the ghost outfit and then like right. killing another sister and like uh, with Suspiria it's literally like he took the mythology from the original Suspiria and created a whole new story with it and really the only thing that matches up is like the character of Susie and then like as far as like all the ladies that work at the academy they're all different pretty much I mean they share some similar names but you know none yeah. of the acts the same none of the beats play out the same 
It's very uh, dark movie compared to the very bright neon mm-hmm. uh, lights of the original and stuff. So actually, uh, I really like it. I personally prefer it to the original, but only because okay. it feels like a, like it feels like there's a more story there. You know what I mean? It's where the right, original right. is very beautiful and very stunning movie, but the story feels very compact, you know, like, yeah, I just, it, for me, much like you were talking about with the nostalgia aspect of it, like yeah. when I was really getting into horror movies, that was one of the ones. So I don't, I don't think I would see it the same way. And just from what I saw in the, in the trailer and stuff, I was like, eh, like I might eventually watch it, but I'm really not in a rush. Yeah. But the other thing too, is that when you get to a lot of these movies with sequels and they get so far that it's almost like they're remaking it and, and yeah. you just ruin it. Cause Hellraiser was like that. Yeah. And it's like almost that, like they were just doing the first movie with like different characters under the, yeah. But then also like when you start recasting, classic characters it, yeah. a lot of times it doesn't go well like like look at when they they tried to do a new freddy krueger yeah same That's thing one of the and, worst and, ones. <laughs> it, well with hellraiser it's the same thing because you, you yeah. recast pinhead and it's like eh, you know it's not it's it's just not it'd be good if if everything else held up but it just kind of seems like that recast just tells you what you need to know you know what i mean yeah no when that, it's that it's not going to be what it was yeah, when he looks like a Dollar General version of uh, Pinhead on the front cover of the movie, you already know you're exactly. in for like a pile of shit, pretty much. Exactly. It's like, where do they, where do they get this from? Dollar Tree. Yeah. And, and it's just not, it's not worth it. And, and there are exceptions because, uh, like you mentioned, that Evil Dead movie was good, and, and there have been others. And and when it comes to sci-fi, there have been some good remakes also. But overall, most of the time it's like just come up with a new idea instead no, don't, no, don't don't bother trying to beat it up no i'm right there with you i'm tired of uh every time i hear a remake like i said i enjoy more than i like like usually think i do but every time i hear of a new one being announced i still groan a little bit just because it's like stop doing it like right there's so many people out there with original ideas just go find them and you know pay them for their idea <laughs> like, yeah like i won't watch that new child's play yeah, it's shitty. And so. now I just I just heard they're they're doing a Chucky TV series, and I'm like, oh no. See, I'll watch that, but only because it's actually supposed to kind of carry on with like uh, it's supposed to be Don Mancini, the original creator, coming oh, really? back. Jennifer Tilly is going to come back. Brad Dourif is going to do the voice, so it's supposed yeah. to be very attached okay. to the original. So, so so now now that you told me that 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 builds up some interest because I figured it was just spinning off of the remake. Yeah, no, this is, uh, that's kind of what happened was, is when they took Child's Play, uh, they took the name Child's Play and uh, made the remake, and Don Mancini was pretty much left out of it completely, so he was pissed off about okay. it, so he took the character of Chucky, because he had the rights to the character, you know, the storyline that had already been continued, and uh, he took it, and I guess made a deal with sci-fi, so he can make a storyline, so they'll probably make a Child's Play sequel to that shitty movie, but uh, it won't have anything to do but with it's, it's on a separate track. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Cause that, that actually will make me interested. Yeah. Now, and hopefully uh, the uh, series should be premiering kind of soon. I know they announced more of the cast recently, but uh, we should get at least some kind of actual trailer. Cause all we got was that one teaser, you know, where he's in the- yeah, that, that teaser, I didn't know about it at all until that, that teaser got out. Yeah. And that, and that was just anything, like so. what last week, I think that came out. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty recent. but uh, Yeah, March 5th, so only five days ago. Yeah. 
So, oh yeah. So, uh, uh, my final question for you pretty much is, uh, do you have a horror story of your own and it can be, you know, from either being on the road with a billy club or it could just be something scary as shit that happened to you on your own, you know, and it could be something that you felt was supernatural if uh, you're a believer in that kind of stuff. Uh, I have never had any personal experience as far as supernatural, yeah. although I am not necessarily a disbeliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my reasons for that are actually based in science because to me, I've always said, uh, I've always used science to kind of prove the point that energy never disappears. It just changes into different forms. Mm-hmm. So the idea of what happens when you die is always interesting to me because where does that energy go and what form does it take? And, and I don't, I, I've never had a personal experience with it, although I, I did have a thing with my own kids and I know other people that have had kids that have had similar experiences where uh, my kids were talking, they were in their grandmother's backyard one time talking about talking to grandpa and their grandfather died. This was actually their great grandfather. Mm. Their great grandfather had passed before they were born. So it was like, how were you talking to grandpa? So and and I know other people that have had similar experiences and I, I've always kind of wondered if kids somehow were a little more in tune with that stuff. Yeah. Which is a weird, interesting thing. I mean, my, my only horror stories as far as on the road is when Martin gets too drunk, but that's really it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never really had any personal experience with, with that stuff. I've always been, into it in a sense just because a lot of the stuff that that i'm into over the years uh not that i'm a believer necessarily in all this stuff but uh, i'm interested a lot in like conspiracy theory stuff a lot of ufo stuff yeah a lot of nostradamus stuff if you're up on that so i've always had an interest in in stuff like that and i read it and and a lot of conspiracy stuff like say like I don't get into the nine eleven stuff, but more the Kennedy assassination and things like that. Yeah. You know, so that's stuff that I've been into. So, so I've, you know, just by association, a lot of more supernatural ghost type stuff falls in there. So I'm familiar with a lot of it. I don't necessarily believe or disbelieve. I think there's a lot of things that we as humans just don't understand or don't have the capacity to understand. So yeah. we might never really know you know, just like alien life, it's like the universe is so vast and there's so little that we know about it. But even on this own planet, uh, on this planet, there's so little we know about this planet. Yeah. There's so much sea life that we, you know, there's deep sea life that we can't reach that we might never fully understand. So there, there's plenty of things that we don't know about. And, and that's, that's where I classify any supernatural ghost type stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm not necessarily a believer or a disbeliever. I'm open-minded about it. And if, if somebody brought something significant, I wouldn't, I wouldn't immediately discount it. Yeah. I just, that's just how I look at those things. Hell yeah. Now I appreciate you uh, sharing, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Do you want to remind people, you know, about the podcast and where to find it? And then of course, you know, if you want to tell them where to find you so that way they can keep up on oh, updates sure. about the uh, upcoming Billy club uh, album. Sure. My personal Facebook, just find me at Gary Mutley and uh, Instagram also Gary Mutley. Billy Club Sandwich is on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're not on Twitter because Twitter is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. I fucking hate Twitter. 
<laughs> I have one for the podcast, and I like forget to post sometimes when I get new episodes because I hate it so much. Yeah, yeah. So Billy Club Sandwich is on Facebook and Instagram. The Upgrade Podcast is our website for the upgrade, which is really just links to the different streaming and podcast services that we're on. Hell yeah! And the Upgrade Podcast is on facebook and instagram as well oh yeah and thank you for having me on i really appreciate it uh glad to have some time to talk and and talk about like you said some of the stuff that i i don't normally get asked about which is cool oh yeah no i appreciate you coming on and sharing man and it was a uh, fun chatting with you and i'm sure i'll yeah, chat with you on like facebook and shit about other horror movies and stuff definitely and and uh and you will be on an upcoming episode of the upgrade as well which i'm looking forward to Yes, sir. We'll be knocking yes. that out what, uh, Monday. Yes. Yeah. Monday. And then we're, we're quick with the turnarounds lately. So we'll do that Monday and it'll probably be up that Wednesday. Oh, hell Either yeah. That Wednesday or the next Wednesday. Okay. Well, one thing to add just cause it's interesting. Cause we were talking about favorite movies, Yeah. but I will say this as, as a guy who used to read a lot of horror, my favorite horror story, and they made it into a movie and it was terrible was The Midnight Meat Train by Clive Barker. Yeah, I've heard of the movie, but uh, and then oh, I the found movies. out like, after the movie that it was a Clive Barker book, but I've like, you know, I've it's, never seen it. It's not even, one. it's not even a book because Books of Blood is actually, and well, Stephen King used to do this too, where he had a bunch of short stories. Yeah. Uh, Books of Blood is fantastic by Clive Barker, and it's just a bunch of horror short stories. Yeah. And they've been a- adapted in all different directions because... There were episodes, I think, of Tales from the Dark Side that, that were based stuff. off of some stories from Books and Blood. Hell yeah. And actually, Hulu did a series recently called Books of Blood, and I think it was three different stories, but only one of them was actually from the book. The others were kind of inspired by. Yeah. But The Midnight Meat Train was my favorite Clive Barker story, and it was actually when I met him, we talked about it a little bit, and then... They did the movie and I was all excited because, oh, they finally made it a movie. And then I went and saw the movie and, oh, it was awful. Yeah. And I love it when they take a shit on your favorite story. Oh, man. It was so, so bad. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it. I've never seen it. But now that you tell me, I'll definitely take it back off my watch list. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could see it just just to get it out of the way, I guess, and and maybe be able to have a conversation about it. But I saw it and I was just like, uh, and. And listen, I'll never tell somebody don't see something unless it's really, really bad. Yeah. Same because way. some people might like it, you know, yeah. it, it, everything, you know, is that everything is subject to taste, you know, like season of the witch, oh. well, <laughs> which here's, here's a teaser for you. We're saving that conversation for the upgrade because Len and I have very strong feelings about season of the witch. I might need to come uh, in with backup, man. I might call <laughs> Phil up that, and see what he's doing that night. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't even know how Phil feels about it, but I, I think he likes it. I, I call Larry, uh, you know, Larry Dwyer, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. He's a big fan. I'll call him. That works. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, cause we, we had a long discussion with our friend, John Wren. Yeah. From the band's, uh, selfish lover and bottom feeder. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and he, he is a big fan. So that was a very contentious discussion. <laughs> oh, Let's just say that. I'm ready, man nice nice yeah if you look it it, it doesn't show up on apple but if you look on facebook to see the photo the picture that we used for the episode or if you look on 
uh, YouTube where the picture rolls while the audio's going. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have the I have the masks worked into our logo. Hell yeah! So you know that that's what it's about. Yeah. Now but that's definitely... a funny that's a funny discussion, and I'm sure when we talk about it on the upgrade, it'll be it'll be pretty entertaining. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now I need to go uh, <laughs> research up my plot points on why it's the best one in the series. Oh boy! But yeah, th- thanks for having me on, man. I really I really do appreciate it. Oh yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally got to knock this out, and I'm looking forward to Monday for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you. Have a good weekend. All right, you too, man. And as usual, I just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you check back next week as I'm going to have three guests, all from one of my favorite films of 2020, Uncle Peckerhead. So make sure you check back next week for that. My guests are going to be director Matthew Lawrence and stars of the film Jeff Riddle, who played Max and wrote the music of the film, and also Uncle Peck himself, David Littleton. So make sure you check back next week for that. Go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go check out Loudmouth Threads who do this awesome original podcast artwork and stay safe.